Good morning. It's good to see each one of you here this morning. Let's go ahead and pause for a word of prayer here. Father, thank you so much that we do have the encouragement of the fellowship as we live here on earth, as we, as we seek to live in the way that you have shown us. And Father, as we look ahead to heaven and where you bring resolution to the conflicts that we experience. Father, I just pray that you would be here this morning, that you would turn our hearts towards you, and that, that um, we would each be able to come away with um, something new that we haven't considered before. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> this morning, I'm, um, I'm trying to wrap up um, this series that I've been doing on roles and the different, really the, the different roles that we have and that we fill here on earth as people, as humans, um, and the way that God designed for us to be. Now, that has not been exhaustive by any stretch. And I feel in a lot of ways like each one of these roles could probably have a six or eight week series on each individual one. But that's not what we're doing here. That's not what I'm doing. And so um, we've been touching on each one of these and trying to, trying to pick up the pieces of import that we can. There's one role left that remains to be covered. Does anybody want to hazard a guess which role that is? Child? Well, we kind of covered children, I think. A little bit. Grandparents? I kind of lumped them in with parents a little bit. Um, the, the, the chocolate and candy part and return kids to their owner is pretty, pretty self-explanatory. The church? Wow. The people that aren't singles. That's exactly where I'm going this morning. And I feel a little bit out of my, more out of my element than what I normally am because, because I think it's a tough one to tackle. And again, this is not going to be exhaustive, but I think I'm going to, but we're going to go over this and then we're going to try to wrap up a little bit and, and um, try to wrap up with some closing thoughts of the whole series. In a lot of ways, singleness is an overlooked role. And the amount of time that it took us to pull that out as a role that we haven't covered yet kind of shows that. It kind of reflects that. The thing that's interesting to think about this is that just about everyone goes through a period in life where they qualify as part of this role. It's kind of similar to children. We all are children. Some, some in the child phase of life, but we are all children. <clears throat> um, for some, this may be a transient period in life. For others, this may be the role they fill for their adult life. As we look at this, as we consider this, we need to understand a few things. And the first one is, and I'm going to take this out of 1 Corinthians. Some, a lot of the thoughts are covered in 1 Corinthians 7. I'm not going to run, cover the whole chapter. Definitely encourage you to read that and ponder what it means for yourself. There's a lot packed in there. Um, 
I'm going to be pulling, pulling different pieces at different times. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 8 says, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says, and I believe this is the New American Standard. Um, actually, this I believe is Holman. I wish that all people were just like me. How many of you can say that? I wish that all people were just like me. I'm not quite at that point. But far from it. But each has his own gift from God, one person in this way and another in that way. I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them to remain as I am. From this, I want us to realize that singleness is good. This is a little bit counter to our thinking because we often go back to the Garden of Eden. It was not good for Adam to be alone. And so God made Eve. God gave him a partner. There's also other scriptures that refer to finding a man who finds a, um, a virtuous woman, finds a good thing. Her price is far above rubies. Dave Donovan couldn't find that woman, so he settled for ruby. Um, and, and, and marriage is good. But here we have Paul asserting, and I believe accurately so, that singleness is good. The thing that's interesting to me is that this is a similar but slightly different good than we find in Genesis chapter 1. This good gives the idea of being praiseworthy, noble, honorable, excellent. This is interesting. Excellent in its nature. And therefore, as a result of that, well adapted to its ends. The idea of being genuine and approved. The good in Genesis has the idea of excellent with the idea of being a good thing, of pleasant, of benefit, and providing welfare and prosperity and happiness. The thing I want us to really understand here and, and realize is that marriage isn't the, on, the only good thing. Singleness is good, too. Paul goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 7, and in verses 32 and 34, he says, I want you to be without concerns. An unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Singleness allows us to focus our attention. I don't have this in my notes, and I might have to say I'm sorry later, but my wife hates it when I will refer to, you know, things were just so much simpler before I was married. And they were. You, there's all of these considerations and these things that when you get married, you now have to pay attention to. She often asks me, but was it better? Well, it's a different kind of better. I'm going to point out here that these verses, Paul prior to these, these verses that I read in verse 25 says that this is his opinion. 
and not, therefore, by inference, not necessarily a command from the Lord, but I think that his words are accurate. When you're single, there's an ability to focus and change focus in a way that isn't possible when you're married. There's also the ability, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. There's the ability to change focus more readily. You decide for yourself and not for two or three or five more. The number of things to be concerned with are less, and therefore, single people can more readily choose what to involve themselves with. The second thing that, that is somewhat inferred or implied here, or, or I think maybe is extended from here, is that this idea of having a focus infers intentionality, which is something that we heard about at Winter Bible School. The opportunities are wide for what we can choose to involve ourselves with and in, but they must be chosen, and that's very, very true for a single person. Sometimes I think that it's easy, and 10 years ago, okay, 12 plus years ago, um, I, think I, I think I saw this a little bit more personally, that sometimes in, in our culture, as single people, we can drift without focus or attention because we're kind of waiting for that next phase in life, waiting for marriage. And I think that that's something that if we're intentional, if those other phases of life come, great. But if we live intentionally, we find fulfillment. The next thing that I want to bring in is from Proverbs 18, verse 24. Specifically, and specifically apply it to singles, but it applies to all of us. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother or closer than a sister. Singles do well to seek close friends. Married people do too. But I think particularly with single people, there is a need for that closeness, that friendship that's going to hold accountable, that's going to encourage that's going to be a kindred spirit. Like-minded interaction. As I think back, um, I think of a Sands Fellowship, the single and not desperate folks. That interaction that we had was so, so valuable to encourage, to focus, and to have that encouragement from our, from our experiences that we shared. The last thing that I'm going to pull in specifically, and again, this is, this is something that we all can learn and take, take with us, is that everyone are called, including singles, we are called to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and other things we need, and even those we long for, will be satisfied. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given you besides. Notice that there's not a defined time boundary on when that satisfaction will take place. 
that lack of definition is there for a reason or not there for a reason. Singleness may be disappointing. Well, surprise, um, often married life may also be disappointing. What isn't disappointing is God and his righteousness. When we seek God and his righteousness, we find fulfillment. We may not have all of our questions answered, and there may be portions of our life where we still have to walk in faith and kind of a void that's still there that isn't satisfied. And we need to walk that in faith. And in that, in that absence, that is where we all look forward to eternity, where God will show us the wonders of his creation. And guess what? We're part of that creation. Have you ever thought about that? That God in his promise to show us the wonders of his creation, of all the universe, that might include us learning to know ourselves better than we ever thought. Going back to 1 Corinthians 7, I'm going to read, I'm, this, is, this is a little bit of a longer portion, 1 Corinthians 7 starting at verse 24 through verse 28. Paul writes, brothers, each person should remain with God in whatever situation he was called. About virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I do give an opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Therefore, I consider this to be good because of the present distress. It is fine for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. The thing, that I, the thing that stuck out to me at the beginning of that passage was remain with God. That's the focus. That's the, that's the focal point. The other things are kind of the details of where you are in life when you find God. And he doesn't say stay where you are and don't budge, but start with where you are and seek to follow God. And that idea in Matthew of seek Seek ye first God's God, uh, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. If we start with that, that may lead us to change our circumstances as we better understand his will for us and where we are in life. Our relationship with God and our spiritual maturity is not dependent on our marital status. The call is to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. That's our goal, regardless of whether we're single or married. I'm going to shift gears a little bit, and I'm going to talk to everybody else who's not married. I'm sorry. Switch, strike that, reverse it. Instead of talking about singles, and there's more there that, that we could delve into, but I want to say some things that, I don't know, I guess I feel need to be said. To the rest of us who are no longer single, Let me make sure that I am correct. Yeah. I don't have scripture for these. 
So these are, like Paul, my opinions. Take them for what they're worth. But I think that there are, there are verses to back them up. So to the rest of us, first, do not pity singles. They are living the life God has called them to, and there is richness in that. In different ways, and in some ways, ways that we as married people cannot and do not experience. Do engage with singles. They have wisdom and perspective on life and following God that we who are married can learn from. God gives them wisdom and insight, just like married people. And because they have a different life experience, they may notice things that the rest of us are completely oblivious to. Do use the gifts and abilities that singles have in the church. There aren't restrictions on who is given gifts to contribute to the life of the church. In fact, one of the things that this is a little bit of an inference, but is there any record of Timothy being married? The Timothy that Paul wrote two letters to in the, uh, in the New Testament. As far as we know, there is no record of Timothy being married. And Paul wrote to him and said, don't let anybody, don't let any man despise your youth or your experience or your lack of experience. I'm going to step out on a limb here and say that that was one of the things that growing, growing older as a young single that I felt, and I know that others in the broader community felt, that somehow in our culture, we have, a, we have a bias that you're not really an adult until you get married. So someone who is 20 years old and married for a year and a half somehow is worthy of more responsibility than someone who is 28 and single. Now, I think that, I, I go back to something my grandpa used to say, and that is that wisdom comes with age, but sometimes age comes alone. And that's true in many different aspects. The point, it, the point that I want to make is, is that let's not let our perception of people be filtered through what their, what their relationship status is. Yes, there's... There's things that they may not have experienced, but guess what? There's things that they have experienced and there's wisdom that God has given people. And we are really limiting ourselves if we, if we, um, if we let that drive the way that we allow singles to interact. I wanna say, I feel like in our church over the last 15 years, there's been a lot of growth in that. And I, 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 feel, very, I feel like we are in a very different place than we may have once been. And I want to encourage that as well. So how do we kind of wrap all this up and where, how, do we, how do we think about who we are, who God has made us to be more generally? In life, there are things which are changeable and those which are not changeable. In, a, <clears throat> in the family life seminar, which I know that there's all kinds of challenges with that, 
um, organization and some of the leadership there over the years, but there are some truths that they taught and talk, uh, emphasized pretty heavily that I think are valid. They, they speak about our 10 unchangeables, our physical features, our family, our intelligence, our time in history. Sometimes I do feel like I was born about, I don't know, 75 years too late. There's, there's a part of me that likes the, some things of that, that computerization has changed. <coughs> our sex our, and our corresponding gender, and there's so much more that they talk about. We're not going to go into all those, t those things that we can't change about ourselves. But a few questions about, about that and about the roles that we have and fill in life. Do we accept who God has made us as? The, the, the attributes that are unchangeable <clears throat> about how he has made us. Those unchangeables. Do we accept his intended roles for us in life? And some of those roles are based on who we are. They're based on are we a man or a woman? Are we male or female? Are we a husband? Are we a wife? Are we a child? Are we a, a child who is partially grown up? Are we an adult? That has to start with, with who and how God has made us, male and female. As children, do we choose to learn from our parents in the Bible about the world, ourselves, and our place in it? Do we accept God's truth even when we don't understand it? As singles and as adults and as married people, are we looking to use our abilities in a focused way? As husbands and wives, are we seeking to put our spouse and families first, that is, loving them and serving their needs? As husbands, are we loving and providing and, or practically loving our spouses? Are we seeking to lead our families spiritually? Or are we accepting human thinking as truth when it is really just the result of mankind's thoughts apart from God? During life, our roles change. They're not necessarily static. <clears throat> there could be another one on grandparents in another um, sermon in the series. That's evidence of that. 1 Corinthians 7.17 um, I'm going to go ahead and read read the, well, it, yeah, 7.17 actually 7.24 7.17 and 7.24 are, are very similar and I think that 1 Corinthians 7.24 puts it actually, let me go find it Seven twenty four puts it, brothers, each person should remain with God in whatever situation he was called. Seven seventeen puts it, however, each one must live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when the Lord called him. The idea is that each each one of us needs to live and remain with God where we are. 
we find ourselves <clears throat> in different places throughout life. We begin as children, we become young adults, and then we reach adulthood. We may transition from singleness to marriage, becoming husbands and wives. We may then change even further and become parents and grandparents. The emphasis here is not the situation. The emphasis is on remaining with God and pursuing his kingdom through our, through, <laughs> throughout both our changeables and our unchangeables in life. Through both the things that we are given and that we cannot change, as well as the things that we can change and that we do have control of. And sometimes when we follow God where we are, he causes us to understand that where we are doesn't match his pattern. And that we may find his pattern works better than ours if we just give his way a try. 